Happy Monday, my Liberty Kitty Cats. And before we get into today's awesome conversation, if I do say so myself, I got to make sure that you know, you could have already seen it. You could have already heard it. You could have seen it live as it happened. You could have even tossed some questions, some comments out there. You could have done all of this if only you had been a member of the Lions of Liberty Pride, if you were one of our many amazing supporters on Patreon who fully fund this show, who help us grow this program. You can find more about that over at patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty, but we really have something for everybody. You can get ad spots on this program. You can produce an episode. Uh, you can get discounts on merchandise, uh, monthly calls with the host of Lions of Liberty. We really go out of our way to make sure you get value for contributing to us and helping us grow this platform. Not to mention all sorts of bonus audio and video content. Like I said, we have live streams of many of my interviews. We also have bonus shows, bonus segments with guests, shows like Conspiracy Corner, Degenerate Gamblers, Brian McWilliams on his Good Morning Fuckhead, his nearly daily show. You really don't want to be missing all the great content behind the paywall. Check it out at patreon.com slash lions of liberty we need to empower people with not just the philosophical tools but the inspiration to break free from the system welcome to the flagship lions of liberty podcast your weekly dose of education inspiration and real world application from the top minds in the liberty movement if you want liberty we need to be better leaders better husbands better fathers better friends better businessmen All right, Kitty Cats, with me today, he is the host of the Liberty Lockdown podcast, where he just passed 100 episodes. I'm very pleased to welcome Clint Russell of Liberty Lockdown. Clint, are you ready to roar? Lions of Liberty now hear me roar. Beat running out, but I got a bit more. Yeah, I'm ready, buddy. I've been waiting for this. I knew you were because uh, that line is actually in your theme song, at least the outro, the extended cut of the theme song anyway. And uh, I-, I was kind of telling you this before, and, I- and I'm not just saying this to kiss your butt because I've actually been thinking about this because I've actually seen people talking about who has the best theme songs uh, in the liberty movement. And you know, a lot of libertarians, there's a lot of great podcasts out there, a lot of great content, a lot of great thought behind things. But I'd say libertarians, including maybe myself, I don't know, uh, lack a lot of style, a lot of pizzazz. And that's one thing you bring to the table, Clint. You got style. And I, 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 I really do jam to your theme song. I'm not kidding. Sometimes I'll go back and just listen to the, to the song again after an episode because yeah. it actually makes me jam. Maybe it's nice that you mentioned Lions Liberty. You mentioned a bunch right. of other podcast friends of mine. Uh, but it's really nice that as part of your awesome theme song, you actually take the time to give shout outs to all the podcasts, all the people that have inspired you along the way, too. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, honestly, it began obviously as a passion project to get into the show in the first place. And I was like, well, what's a good way to market myself to all the shows that have, have led me down this path? So maybe they'll, they'll hear it and then they'll be like, Hey, let's check this guy out. Um, so it, you know, my master plan worked out, but it, it's truly just a, a labor of love. And the fact that people enjoy it is, is all the better. Well, you know, you've been working the circuit. I mean, really working the circuit, uh, even far outside the libertarian circuit. I mean, you were on part of the problem with Dave Smith, and then you also got on the Tim cast, uh, which is really amazing. Awesome. You can get those ideas in front of such a huge audience. But now you finally reached the apex, Clint. Now you're finally here. In I, I worked my way through all these gutter people, and now I'm <laughs> exactly. on Liberty, baby. It's time. All right. Well, yeah, that was... That was incredible. Yeah. So, Clint, I, I, before we, I, I kind of know your story just because I've been listening to a lot of your show and I've heard, heard you reference it a lot. But for, for people that aren't aware of how this all started for you, I mean, I think people might know from the title of your podcast how the podcast itself got started and what that was inspired by. But I want to go back a little bit further. I want to go back to, uh, you know, the, the baby Clint Russell uh, the, before he was a fiery libertarian. Where did you come from politically? What were your political thoughts? And how did you end up getting this, this fire for liberty in your belly? Sure. Uh, I'm a, Total anomaly in that I am a second gen libertarian. Wow, and that is those are rare, super rare. Yeah, super duper rare, especially for someone that's you know in their thirties. That's very rare. So, um, yeah, my my dad, uh, my biological dad, who didn't raise me, but uh, I would see him one weekend a month, and he owned a nightclub that was four hours away. An entrepreneur, so uh, I would get in his car, and we would have these four hour car rides, and he would just progressively talk to me about the foundation of the country and the founding fathers and and liberty and the ideas behind it and as a five and six year old to have that kind of uh conversation is a very 
very unusual thing. You're like, I, I want I ice never... cream. What? <laughs> why are you talking to me about this? Why are we? Why aren't we talking about where we're going for ice cream? I'm right. five. <laughs> I, that's that's why that's why I'm such an unusual person because I got that kind of conversation as a five year old. So uh, whether that makes me uh, better or weirder, I don't know. But uh, it it definitely it it just drove it into my soul from such a young age. And then I became very anti-authoritarian and I was always very independent. I never wanted to work for anybody else, um, which led me down the entrepreneur path. And that's kind of how I got here. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I was somewhat similar in that my first exposure to politics was just to sitting in the car with my dad and listening to conservative talk radio. Basically, it was, right. it was pretty much all he listened to. And I just absorbed it, didn't necessarily agree or disagree. I was just kind of like taking it all in and eventually started asking questions like, why would there be a law about this? Why would there be a law about that? Uh, but in your case, was your dad actually more of like a, really like a, a philosophical, true libertarian or did he just oh, was, yeah. yeah, like like all the way? Yeah, like he was like. A Harry Brown reader, you know, he was, he was, I think he was a, a LP member. He actually ended up running for Congress in, in San Diego under the LP in the nineties. So yeah, he was the real deal for sure. Awesome. Well, uh, I guess, uh, I guess some of these things, uh, it's a constant question, like how much uh, of how we act and, and what we believe is a product of our upbringing and how much of it is in our genetics. And for you, it might be kind of hard to say, because if you, that, you said that dad didn't actually like, raise you, um, but obviously you, you, you got some influence from him and, but how much of that was just in there anyway, how much of that would have come out of Clint if you had never really been exposed to the actual words he was saying? It's a it's a really great question. I mean, I I I tend to believe that I was kind of built for this, anyways. Just because, like I said, I only spent one weekend a month with him, so it's like yeah. you can't fully indoctrinate me. And I was getting some exposure to political conversations from my mom and my stepdad, who were really the people that were raising me. Um, and I got to choose. You know, I, I basically got to choose which ideology made sense to me from an early age. And um, I was also hyper competitive. You know, very like any sport I could play, I wanted to be the best. Like everything I did, I just wanted to be the best. So I think that that's why the idea of capitalism and meritocracy appealed to me. So uh, I think that it's it's definitely a lot nurture, but also a good good chunk of nature. Yeah, I think I think when I was younger, I wanted to believe it was a lot more like nurture. I don't, I don't know why, like, but uh, because I, I guess I, I when I feel that way, when I think it's nurture, I feel that you know maybe it's not just my programming. Maybe there, there's something that I, I've learned along the way uh, that that had me believe a certain thing. But the more I learn about how humans work, the more I, I kind of feel like, man, I, I feel like we're all programmed from the beginning and we're just kind of playing it out in a way. Uh, but these these are the kind of conversations that uh, you know we can kind of dive into a little bit more because I think this is going to tie in actually to, to somewhat of, of what I want to talk to you about later on uh, your, your recent show that just blew up with uh, Cyprian, formerly Vin Armani and Matt Erickson. We're going to dive into that in a bit, but I want to dive a little sure. bit more into uh, your origins, the specific origins of the Liberty Lockdown podcast itself. Obviously, you've been listening to all the best libertarian podcasts for years and years and years, as we know from your theme song. But what I mean, I know what, but give me a little of the details of the story behind how the lockdowns inspired you to create create this platform to start speaking out and to really put your all into this. Yeah, I was, I, like I said, I was an entrepreneur. I worked for my family business until my late twenties. I quit um, working for my dad after having a fallout. And then I started my own company um, and did that for eight years up until the lockdown. And I was a private money mortgage broker. So that means that I take private investor capital and I lend it out on real estate to real borrowers. So it's real money from real investors to real borrowers. It's like classical banking, what it probably ought to be as opposed to the Federal Reserve System, where there's moral hazard and all sorts of insanity that goes along with it. So um, I was very successful. I was stockpiling assets. I was investing in trustees. I was investing in real estate. And I was at a position where I was nearing retirement anyways. The lockdowns come, come down. And uh, basically, even though I wasn't put out of business by the state of California, I was as a fiduciary for my investors, I could no longer in good conscience lend on real estate entering what I believed at the time to be a very imminent and severe recession that would affect the real estate market. So that, that was the logic behind it. I was like, okay, well, I can't do this because uh, you know, at the time, I didn't expect them to print $7 trillion and have a foreclosure and eviction moratorium and to do all of this insane stuff that they decided to do, which only fired me up further. So as I figure this out, as I figure out what their actual game plan is, I start thinking to myself, well, I need to warn people. You know, I, I can't stand on the sideline and even though I'm well off financially and just let everybody else 
go down with the ship because they have no idea what's actually happening. So as as someone who had done a podcast with two of my guy friends, which we never we never told a soul about, it was basically <laughs> just to you know stay in contact with each other. Um, it had you know fifty listeners or something. It was just our friends. Uh, so I, I had done that for two years prior. So I had some experience on the microphone. I didn't have any you know idea of how good I would be at it, especially doing it on my own. Um, so I, I just decided in that moment, and I guess it was about a year ago today. You know, maybe thirteen months ago now. Uh, I said, hey, I'm going to give this a shot. The name was a given. I'm a libertarian. Uh, it's about the lockdowns. It's like Liberty Lockdown. It has a alliterative vibe to it. I was like, this is, this is just, it just felt right. So I, I launch, I, I talk to myself for a few months since no one's listening. Um, and then I slowly start to get traction through Twitter and, and you know, the rest is history. P. Quinones picks me up, Dave Smith, da-da-da, Tim Cass, it's crazy. And you certainly, Liberty. You, yeah, you, you certainly did uh, blow up really fast. And, uh, you know, this, m- some people might not realize this is not your first time on Lions of Liberty. You were actually on Electric Liberty Land uh, a few weeks ago along with Reed Coverdale. Uh, but before that, you were actually on a bonus show with Brian McWilliams that was for patrons only. Just another reason to be on the Patreon. It's where you get the really, really good stuff. But uh, you and Reed were on with an, an incredibly drunk Brian McWilliams, but, uh, <laughs> which was, is still one of my favorite things I think I've, I've ever listened to in my life. Uh, but, you know, he was like kind of blown away, I guess, by, by how fast you and Reed were able to, to achieve such success. Um, and he was borderline displeased, let's be honest. <laughs> borderline displeased, yes. Um, but that's just Brian for you. But, you know, uh, yeah, what, do you, Brian, what do you attribute your, like, your very immediate success? Because I, I got to say, like, for us, like, I, I know that period about checking the stats and, and feeling like 50 people are listening because I went through that period for a while. Like, I, I, this is back in 2013. There weren't that many libertarian podcasts out there. Um, and, you know, the idea of listening to podcasts to learn about liberty wasn't even something on, on people's minds necessarily. Like, I, that's why I created right. Lions of Liberty because I wasn't finding the content i needed but boy did i have to push through a lot of time where i just felt like is this worth it is this worth all the effort that i'm going through and what kept me going through that was that the answer was always yes because i always was getting something from the conversations i was having and uh, i was always really like if, if i wasn't gaining from the process then I, I probably would have you know flamed out a lot sooner uh but you know it doesn't it doesn't hurt when you start to see the numbers tick up so what what, oh, yeah. what do you attribute the most to your the, the ability that you had to to grow so much in such a short time i think that there was just there was a bit of a void when it came to absolute furious outrage at the lockdowns um even in the libertarian podcast space like yes there was plenty of good libertarian podcasters out there that were talking about it saying that it was wrong um but i had such a visceral rage over it i think that 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 really brought my audience in you know they're like the for the people that were most impacted by the lockdowns because i'm in southern california it was it was yep. vicious lockdowns here um and the fact that you know i was a very successful businessman that basically my income had been ripped away and and also you know all of my faith in what this country was founded on and what it what it meant and what the people believed in and what i thought the character of my fellow countrymen were all of that was kind of shattered in that moment so as i used the microphone for for self care it was therapy yeah. honestly oh i know all um, about that <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and it just it just found it found a a vein you know it just it just stuck into some people and i think on, on the other the other aspect that that helps is that because I have kind of a unique business background that that gives me a level of authority on topics that are are mm-hmm. you know valued by the libertarian community. I think that you're helps not a lot the too. guy just shouting from his mom's basement, right? Even though it looks like I'm in a basement, this is my <laughs> this is my garage converted office in Carlsbad on the water. You know, it's like this is a nice place despite appearances. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I think that that helps too. It, it it added credence to what I had to say. You know, it wasn't just some you know, guy in his early twenties that doesn't have a penny to his name. It was like, okay, well, you can take this guy seriously. He actually, he practiced what he preached. He did, he did something with it. Um, so I think that helped a lot. And then, uh, really the biggest thing that, that obviously put fire in this, in this, uh, engine was Pete Quinones going on part of the problem. Uh, I had just debated this neocon and it was long story, but, uh, Dave had asked about it and he had watched the video. So as Pete brings me up, Dave says, Oh, I love that guy. He's amazing. I'm like, I didn't even know you knew me. Like, this is incredible. Um, and then it's off to the races from there. So it's, 
It's just a wild ride. It, it never hurts to connect and make friends with people who are, you know, a little or who are already where you want to be and have them say good things about you. I mean, when we no st- when I started getting Tom Woods on and he, you know, he played the episode that I have of his show and he said, you know, Mark is actually an excellent interviewer. He didn't just keep rattling off these same questions. I mean, not only did that blow up my ego, but it blew up, blew up my numbers too. Uh, so yeah. it's it's doing things like that and just continuing to put yourself out there. But I, I think one thing that you really touched on, which I think, you know, you can connect with the right people, you can buy ads, you can do all this stuff, but you're not going to grow unless you're really, really being the truest version of yourself. And that was something that was difficult for me in the beginning because I was really trying to be a host in the beginning. And I think anybody that goes and listens to my very, very early episodes, I don't actually recommend this, but you can tell I'm, I'm trying to put on the host voice. I'm trying to, I feel like I have to do something different. And it's only in this last, honestly, probably the last couple of years uh, where I've really felt that now, like I, mean, I used to sit here with, if, if you did this interview with me five years ago, I would have been here with a a whole set of notes in front of me because I'd be so afraid to to get a lull in the conversation or, or afraid to uh, forget what I was going to say next. But you know, right. the point is, you shouldn't. You don't need to know what you're going to say next because it's a conversation, uh, and it's not, yeah. it's not a natural thing to have a conversation in front of a microphone. Especially now, I mean, that's one of the reasons I do video interviews is that it's it's so much different when you can just see the person. It's even better in person. Uh, but being able to actually see someone interact with them. I mean, before I was just staring at like a blank computer screen <laughs> or someone's like Skype name and that's just it's really hard to get into a conversational vibe that way especially when you're just not used to sitting there in front of a computer doing that yeah the the stars really aligned for me because i my all of my podcasting influences were people that were like joe rogan like all these these comedy podcasts largely that were very authentic you know they were just being themselves they were being their natural humorous just interested in things self and and i i decided very early on that, well, if that's what appeals to me, I'm going to do the same thing. You know, I'm not going to be a performer. Like this is going to be who I am and what I believe in and how I feel about things in the moment. And, and I don't even have a regimented schedule for my recording. So I literally come in here when I'm inspired. That's, that's how I do it. So uh, I think that's a really important, you know, trick that I, I came up with, even though, even though I, I know a lot of people believe it's important that you release on consistent days and a lot of people do live streams. So that's not really possible. I do all of my stuff, um, spur of the moment. I just record as soon as I'm done, I do post-production. I put it out right away. It just, I'm like, deal with it. I don't care. As long as, <laughs> as long as the quality of it is as good as I can do, that's what I care about most. And then if the, if you like uh, regimented live stuff, like maybe I'll get there someday, but at this point I, I'm just most important and only doing it when I want to, because I, I think that as long as this doesn't feel like a job, I'll be able to deliver something that's really special. No, I think there's definitely something to be said for that, for the ability to just hop on a mic when when you're inspired. Uh, and and mm-hmm. I think one, one thing you mentioned before that I want to go back to that is kind of this ties into this conversation that you recently had with Vin and Matt or Vin, Cyprian, Matt. Um, and uh, that when you mentioned like you were really successful in your business, uh, you were able to get yourself in a financial position where you basically don't have to really work anymore. And that has right. given you the freedom, given you the liberty, so to speak, to put your all into this, to really put at, quite literally maybe everything you have into this platform, into growing this platform, into s- spreading those ideas. Uh, mm-hmm. So maybe we can just dovetail right into that thing before I was even planning to because because fuck plans, right? Um, <laughs> and and I don't even know where to start with this thing because I honestly listened to the, you know an interview you know an interview is really good or or really thought provoking anyway when I have to listen to it twice and when I think damn I wish I was the one hosting this one um, but I don't because if I was hosting it would have been a different conversation because uh, we're all we're all different in our approaches to things but th- sure. there's a lot of aspects of this I I, I really want to dig into but why don't we why don't we just start there um, because a lot of people are, I I feel like. A lot of people were offended by things that were said in this interview by both Matt and Cyprian, um, some of which I can totally understand. Uh, for example, if I'm Dave and I'm listening to this interview, I hear someone call me a predator, even if maybe an hour later they kind of say, I don't mean intentionally, I'm just, but you know. He, I'm probably going to be angry too. I'm probably going to say, fuck this guy, you know? So I yep. totally get that. And I totally get how fans of Dave would hear that kind of thing and be like, well, fuck this guy then, because I love Dave. I've been listening to him for years as I have as well, as I know you have as well. And I wish him nothing but success. So to hear those kind of words uh, used against someone that I like, that you like, that's, that's got to actually be hard to maybe sit through like, like as a, as an interviewer. I mean, what, what was oh, your was... first, I, maybe you can just answer that. Like what was, what was your thought process when that, 
that that specific word came up because everything else, I'm all about criticisms. I love criticisms. I love libertarians criticizing each other. I think that's how we find the truth. That's how we get to the heart of the matter. But, you know, I think there's a point where you can actually feel like, oh, is this is this too far? <laughs> what, so what, what were you thinking at the time? Oh, sure. Uh, let me let me start by saying I don't just like Dave. I love Dave. Yeah, I think too. he's an amazing person. I think he's a great I mean, he's an unbelievable messenger. I have a tremendous amount of faith in him. Um, so, yes, for anybody that that saw me sit there quietly <laughs> as as my hero was torn to shreds. Um, yeah. Uh, whatever you thought my emotion was in that moment, you read it correctly. You know, I was not. I was not pleased with the character uh, assassination, and and I did push back later on where I said, you know, because because Vin and or uh, Cyprian and and Matt were both saying, no, they like Dave. This is not. They want the best for Dave, but um, you know, we're all predators and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, look, it's a very different thing to say that we're predators if you're talking about prey, if you're talking about food. If you're talking about us being, you know, the top of the food chain, it's a it's a much different thing to say that he's a predator to other human beings. That's cannibalistic. That's mm. that's definitely a moral judgment on him, and and it's also uh, assessing his motives in a way that I don't think. First off, I don't think you're correct, and secondarily, I don't think that you know him well enough to know actually what what's in his heart. And I don't I don't appreciate people assuming that they know someone's heart when they don't even know him as well as I do. And I don't know Dave well enough to know for sure what's in his heart. But he's he has been a very consistent messenger on every platform I've ever seen for six or seven years now. So for him to be doing this as an act would be astonishing. So, anyways, I say all that to say this. I I think that that the reason I'm able to stay calm in that moment is because I still think there's merit to their arguments. I think that it's it's mm-hmm. a, it's a good thought experiment. It's necessary that we do harshly uh you know judge the people that we are we are entrusting with significant power. So I didn't mind it in that sense, but I I just when it when it edges into character assassination, uh I think that it's unless you have hard evidence of what you're trying to allege, I think that's very uncouth. <laughs> I mean, because like later on, Ben was trying to kind of say when you gave him a little pushback on that, that he wasn't saying that he was necessarily judging Dave's character. He was and him and Matt were both kind of trying to say the same thing in, in a way. And I'm not I'm not carrying water for either of them. I want to be really clear. I just my thing is when I hear conversations like this, conversations that kind of shake me out, out of out of my 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 stupor a little bit and where I'm like, well, what did I just hear? And I have to go back and listen again. Uh, I always try to do my best to steel man what people are saying, no matter what they are, even if I already agree or don't agree. I want to try to take the best of what I think they're saying, not assume the worst of what I think they're saying. Now, if, if, if you want to assume the worst about Vin or Matt, both of whom, you know, between the two of them, I spent five, six, seven hours talking to both of them on on a number of different podcasts. um, And you can assume that they're just going after Dave in order to, gain followers and you know get it you know get more likes and subscribes and smash that and smash that like button or what have you to, to grow their platforms which actually be pretty ironic since their big criticism is that dave is is his goal is to grow his platform yeah. yeah yeah um <laughs> i don't believe that that's my personal opinion i could be wrong they could just be entirely doing this entirely going after dave uh specifically because they want to get more followers more likes more listens that's totally possible so i'm not going to discount that possibility but i personally don't believe that having interacted with them uh a decent amount anyway. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that they they come from a place where they are trying to get a message to people about a different path to walk than the political one yeah. or than this LPMC political one. So before we dive more into that, why don't I just kind of get you to just because I know not everybody here necessarily heard that interview. I do recommend everyone go and listen to Liberty Lockdown episode 100. I will post that in today's show notes over at lionsliberty.com. But um, if you could just kind of recap what your personal thoughts are about the Mises caucus approach, the Mises caucus strategy. I know you're supporting Dave in in this mission. Um, So just what, what are your thoughts about the entire approach and why do you think that this is a good approach for libertarians to take? I don't know if you would necessarily say it's what all good libertarians should, should focus on, but it's, it's what you are definitely focusing on. So what is your thought process behind that? Yeah. Well, let, let me start by saying that I agree with you. I don't think that, that Matt and Cyprian are, are doing this exclusively to get, you know, the clout chasing or whatever. Um, I think they are true believers. I do also think that they are picking on the top dog because they know it's going to bring eyeballs and ears to their ideas. And that's not an accident. Sure. And and I, I even watched uh, Matt's stream after he came on my show and the whole thing went viral and blew up. 
that he said as much, you know, he's admitting that, yeah, of course, like he, because, because these guys are true believers, they want to get people to consider the counter argument. What mm-hmm. better way to consider the counter argument than to get people to go, I don't like this guy. I'm going to go listen to his show and, you know, see why he's so wrong so I can find some other clip to go viral or something <laughs> stupid like that. And then they get to hear his ideas. So I, I see the, the, the logic behind it. I don't think it's necessarily, um, you know, wrong or evil or anything like that, but I think there are two layers to it. So let, now I'll answer your original question, which is that I, I, came in, I mean, obviously I was a libertarian from a younger age than most people, but my inspiration that we actually could prevail with a libertarian worldview came through the Ron Paul moment. And that that only happens by having a passionate, principled libertarian speaker on the biggest stages reaching millions of people that would otherwise not hear our ideas. And, you know, I still believe that this country, especially after lockdowns, is as ripe as it has probably ever been to have a Ron Paul version 2.0. And as far as I'm concerned, there is no better person on this planet for that mission than Dave Smith. That's what I believe. So, um, you know, to their to their pushback as to whether or not political action, or if you're going to be involved in politics, as Matt believes, it should be through the RNC. Um they're they're all fair counter arguments, you know. Like that's that's the other reason I didn't cut them off or or scream at them is that I think that th- this is a genuine critique. Here's the truth: we have been fighting my entire life for far far longer than I've been alive, to be honest, to try and maintain the liberty that we were blessed with from our foundation, and we have lost it year after year, decade after decade, century after century, and nothing has stemmed the tide. So if anyone wants to get on the mic and pretend as if they have complete certitude as to how to address this problem, I'm sorry, you need to have a little bit more humility. I really believe that. And I think that that's probably my biggest critique for Cyprian and Matt, is that they have a level of certitude that comes off as egotistical, and I think that it's a little bit misguided, and it's off-putting. Now, keeping in mind, they don't care about that, and they don't, they don't want to no, say everybody they, like they, I do. <laughs> yeah, they don't. They don't. And they're very happy with alienating a huge swath of the population, and, and that's okay. You know, like, again, everyone has their own different path. My belief is that we should be doing what we're best at. You know, Dave is great at what he does. I don't know why you would tear him down. I think that's a mistake. And that's what I don't like about their path is that their path is like, this is the only way. This is the only way we can get to any level of salvation. I'm like, well, I hope you're right. And I wish you well. I'm not going to tear you down because I think the agorist path and and growing the, the society and the community that we hope to see in the world makes a ton of sense. And I also believe in Matt's idea of like, stop bitching about stuff and go out and make some money, be an inspirational person, stand up high and, and represent your beliefs in a way that's appealing so that you can sell it better. That's a great message. I totally agree with it. And then I love Dave's principles as well. So it's like, just let everybody, like, if we're all headed in the same direction, why are we tearing each other down? I just think it's a huge mistake. All right, guys, I got to take a quick break to tell you about our newest sponsor, and that is our good friend, the man himself, Top Lobster. This guy produces the most amazing, most original, most graphically pleasing Liberty gear you're going to find anywhere. I personally have the legalized freedom hat. I have the Scott Horton and the Wars shirt. I also have a uh, disobey your local tyrant with uh, Gavin Newsom on it that Top Lobster sent me as well, personalized just for me. Uh, you are not going to find cooler Liberty gear anywhere. So right now, if you are a fan of this show, I want you to support our sponsors. You need to head over. Stop stop this very podcast. Head over to Top Lobster. That's Lobster, L-O-B-S-T-A dot com. Browse everything over there. I guarantee you're going to find something you love. And then all you got to do is use discount code ROAR for 10% off your order. That's discount code ROAR for a smooth 10% off. Everybody wins. You get cool gear. You get to support a sponsor. That sponsor supports us. This is how the free market works, my friends. So please head over to toplopsa.com and don't forget to use discount code ROAR for 10% off your order. And I'm not trying to carry water for Matt or Vin, but again, I just try to see everything from the perspectives. I think from their perspectives, they actually see the path not just as the not the best one or not just as, you know, you could take a better path. I think they actively see it as a dangerous path. And whether you agree or not, 
if if you do see something as dangerous and you do care about the people involved and you do share some kind of kinship or camaraderie or brotherhood in, in some way with what you might call like the, the greater libertarian community, the, the Ron Paul people, uh, us, whatever you want to say, then I can understand like if I, if I truly believe that I might be doing the same thing, trying to sound the alarm, trying to uh, be the Paul Revere and say, no, this is the dangerous path. And I think that's that's what a, a lot of people, I think, are are having trouble seeing, that if, if you could think something is dangerous and try to point out the fire, and then people might get mad at you for pointing out the fire. And I'm, I'm not saying that the fire is there. I don't know if the fire is going to be there or not. Um, I, I, I very much approach this as like, like I, I, just as like I approach all the debates, all the people that come to this platform to have debates, yeah, a lot of times I have opinions about it, but I, I oftentimes really don't have a completely defined opinion when I come to some of these things. Uh, I actually am just there to have the front row seat. You know, what better way to have a front row seat than to actually host these conversations on on the platform? Um, you, you and me both, brother. I, I feel the same way. Yeah, exactly. So I know, but yeah, I guess, do you think that there's any legitimacy? Because maybe we can take this back to, because I want to talk about something that you started that episode talking about, and that was your concept of martyrdom. And I don't want to, you know, split hairs about what the definition of martyrdom may or may not be. Like, like uh, you know, Cyprian kind of did that for an hour. Yeah, on that we episode. already did that. You, you guys probably <laughs> skip to the second hour anyway. <laughs> yeah, you, you can you can go listen to that all that conversation on Liberty Lockdown. But just I want to understand your viewpoint of what you were trying to say in terms of being willing to take a martyr's path. I think that those are the words you would use. So can you just describe yeah. exactly. Exactly what you mean by that. Sure. Um, I think that if you if you envision, especially if you envision, I, what's interesting about this is I think that Matt, Cyprian, and myself <clears throat> all view the same danger. We all see the same um, hazards in our in our path here. So I'm just I was just trying to express to them that I'm doing this with eyes wide open. I know that putting my name on a show where I talk negatively about the great the largest government in human history is dangerous. You know, I, I understand their concern in having other people follow this path without their eyes opened. You know, if they're if they think that they can just be political dissidents and push back against this this government without risking something, I think it's I think it's important for people to understand that yes, you are risking something because that's the nature of tyrannical governments. And I think that we are on the cusp of one. I I, th- I certainly think you could argue that we just oh, existed. I'd say we're beyond the cusp, government. my friend. <laughs> right, right, exactly. But I'm just saying in terms of like um, harsh prosecution of anybody that gets like, this isn't China yet. You know, you can mm-hmm. still get on the mic and, and talk shit about the government. Right. The fact that we can have part, this conversation right now and neither of us are worried that someone's going to bust in this door does say a lot to the fact that we do still have the, a kind of freedom that people that truly lived under really, really tyrannical regimes did not have. Yeah. And they wouldn't even consider to, to do what we're doing right now. They probably wouldn't even do it in the privacy of their own home because they'd assume that they're being tapped. So we're, we're on our way there. My belief is that because I see us on that path, I want to take a stand now. And that's what I mean by the martyr's path. I am, I am willing to risk my life to get these messages out to people. That's the truth. And, and if I have to, if I have to sacrifice my, sacrifice my life, um, that's okay because I am not willing to be a slave. So, that's all there is to it. And I think that it's important that if more people are willing to do what I'm doing, put your name on it, t- tell the truth, say say politically incorrect stuff at work, you know, like like risk something here. If we were to all stand up, like we always talk about the silent majority, that most people don't like cancel culture. Most people don't like the trajectory of the government. And yet no one has the courage to actually vocalize it. And I'm like, when when is this, when, when are we going to turn the tide? If, if it's just me and a handful of radicals on the internet that are doing this, the tide isn't going to turn. It, this is going to take the common man. It's going to take, it's going to, I mean, not to say that I'm not a common man. I'm just saying it's going to take people in their day-to-day lives to, to do the similar things and to have courage and to actually vocalize their displeasure with what the hell's going on in this, in this world. Um, so that's, that's the reason that I, I use that term and, and I, I stand by it. I think that despite all of the, <laughs> the finagling we did on that the definition I still I, I, i'm the guy that loves like finagling like i love that part of like i can listen to 40 minutes of people just like debating what martyrdom is so for me it's great but not everybody does love that <laughs> yeah well and and i mean i take their point seriously that it's the the implication is that your your death only becomes a, a you know officially a martyrdom if it's inspirational to other people well okay then that's what i'm doing you know, I'm trying to be inspirational to other people, like whether or not my death will matter. And I, for the record, I have no death wish. I do not wish to die by the state. You should get it on the record much. now. Clint is not suicidal as yep. well. Either. Not suicidal. Don't want to die. Nor am I, I for the record. By the government. Like, yeah. Don't want any of that. 
Um, but it's it's a risk that I'm aware is is presented to me, and and I'm passionate about these ideas, and I just hope that that I can inspire a few more people to do similar things, to have some courage, to stand up for this stuff before it becomes so precarious that no one can. And once that happens, it's too late. So you know, clock's ticking. So when you say you're willing to risk your life, do you do you just mean that you understand that the risks of being vocal, being this vocal, especially in these times, the way that it's very obvious, I think, the way, way things are going to anyone that has their eyes open. Uh, that is why, that's one reason I do take a lot of what Vin says seriously, because he was really, he was calling a lot of things back in March, like before we even had lockdowns. He was calling a lot that's of things that, that have happened. He's amazing. So, to me, when you show me that, when I can look at, when you have the receipts, I'm going to at least listen to you. I'm going to at least take you seriously. Now, I might disagree. I might, you know, I might not like the approach, what have you, but I'm going to take it seriously. Um, so, but do you think that there's, you're, are you just speaking in terms of like, um, you know, in terms of, of, Keep saying the truth. It's, it's keeping your voice out there, refusing to you know you know do anything but that, or do anything but put the truth out there, and, yeah. as opposed to like actually physically going out somewhere and putting yourself in in the line of oh, fire, yeah, so no. to speak. Yeah, I mean, if it if it comes to it, and and we have to do that, then yeah, I'm willing to. But I I don't I don't think we're there yet, and I certainly hope that we can not go there. You know, I I don't think that that's a fate or a future that would be hopeful at all. You know, my my hope is that in in having courage now while we still can while we can stand up and and risk something but it's really just like it's financial risk to a large extent it's losing your job it's doing things like that it's not so much imprisonment and you know black bagging and cia stuff yet um so might be worse because if they can turn off your bank account turn off you know unperson you take you down from social media which in nowadays really is the community like you kind of are unpersoned when you're taken off social media um that i mean those might be less physically harmful but uh i don't know if you can't get your bank account and you can't bank bank i mean that's that's pretty much going to destroy your life you're you're right and and i'm not i'm not downplaying the risk and but my my point in all this is that because we are right on the precipice of that do it now you know like cuz once you get there there's no there's no turning that back without violence so like as per, as someone who doesn't want violence i think that it's important that we do it now we should have done it years ago we should have done it at the day one of lockdowns at the very latest we should have been doing it um but since we're here there's no there's no better time than now like the, it, if you have the opportunity if you have the resources to take this risk like i'm doing certainly you should be doing it if you have these same beliefs if you don't have the resources or if you have a family you have to look after i'm not encouraging you to risk everything and to jeopardize your family it, you there are priorities that come first i am a single man who doesn't have children who has a lot of money what what excuse do i have sounds I like have a none. dangerous man good dangerous well it might, it might be, yeah, right <laughs> to so be clear. I, I have no excuses the point though and, and and that's why you know i hope that more people will follow in my path, become financially free, and then and then stand up for yourself too. You know, kind of along the same lines of what Matt was was pushing. So that's why I don't. That's why I don't disagree with these guys. I think that they like my opinion is all three of them, including Dave, have a a picture of the portrait of the solution. Like they're painting it for us. And I just wish that instead of everybody looking at each other like, well, we all see the same problem, but we all have a different answer. So you're fucking stupid and wrong and evil and dangerous. Stop with that. Like, no, there, there, we have so many actual enemies. There's a couple of them up in Washington. I don't know if you've heard about them. It's, you know, Congress. Uh, so what are we doing here? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Here's one thing that that's that's really got me thinking from that conversation and generally what's gone on here, because I have, I have never been a, uh, you know, official supporter, official member of the Mises caucus or anything. Uh, I've always tried to maintain a, not an air, like not, not an air of neutrality, like actual neutrality. Like I, I really just, I want Liberty for everybody and I want more people to be open to these ideas and I'm happy for anyone that's doing it their own way. If their own way is like getting ballot signatures and knocking on doors and that's opening people up in some path. I'm totally good with that. Uh, if your way is being, uh, you know, more of a, a Ron Paul style focusing on ending the Fed, ending the wars and doing that through like a, a more a political caucus like the LPMC. I'm good with that, too. But I, I'd be lying if I didn't say I didn't feel a kinship with people in the, the Mises caucus with many of the people that I know personally, because they're my people like they were inspired by Ron Paul. They care about these huge, huge issues that actually affect people's lives each and every day. They care about the fact that people overseas are being killed with our tax dollars every single day. Uh, they care that people 
people are being put in jail for completely victimless crimes for owning plants uh, and these are the things they focus on uh, and so I, I do feel that kinship and I want that message to resonate with people the thing that I that is really specifically got me thinking from this conversation is something that Matt brought up uh, that I, I never really thought of things in this way before. Uh, but this concept that by opposing the state strongly and, and putting yourself out there and opposing the state by attempting to limit the government, you're actually causing the government to become more tyrannical. You're actually, I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just saying it's an interesting concept that I had never really wrapped my head around. And when you use that filter, uh, if you accept his premise and you then look at the LPMC and if you think they're not going to be successful, we probably don't need to care. This probably doesn't matter at all. It's fine. But I actually kind of agree with what Matt and Vin were both saying that I think they are going to be successful uh, in, in terms of taking over the Libertarian Party. I think the writing is on the wall as far as that. And it's only uh, 2021 right now. And I think if Dave does want to be the Libertarian Party nominee four years ago, he probably wouldn't have gotten it. But I think by the time we get there uh, with all the energy that's pouring in through the Mises caucus, I think it's his for the taking ultimately. And I think he is going to get on much bigger platforms. I, I mean, and there's no doubt about that. Um, right. What worries me is kind of what Matt and Vin both brought up, but the idea that are people paying? Are we all painting, or not we, but whoever the Mises Caucus, anybody who's involved in this wing of the political movement, and it's already begun. You've already seen some articles about it. Um, you know that the LPMC is 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 t- relating them directly to the the Bougie Boys uh, and relating that to domestic terrorism, white nationalism. Is there a danger? And I'm not saying that even if, if like you seem to really understand that danger and you're going into it with wi- eyes wide open, like you said, I'm worried about people that might not really understand the danger that actually just think they're in this for a good time that are actually just shit posting on the internet for 10 hours a week and might not realize what they could potentially, because the success is actually where the danger is here. You know, if there's more success, there's much more danger. If this is actually a real threat ever, if Dave Smith is a real threat ever, um, like the, I'm worried about the kinds of things that could happen to people that might not be aware could happen to them. Um, yeah. And that doesn't mean don't do it, but it just means be aware. Yeah. Well, and and like I said, I'm not trying to downplay the risk. However, I do think that there's a compelling counter argument to this is that if you believe that the risk comes with success, your defense also comes with success because as you grow the numbers, you become more of a a force that might be left alone. If we're going to if we're going to pretend that we're all going to just like go our separate ways and go underground, like you're accepting your fate of living that way for basically the rest of your life. Like that's how I view this. So I'm not willing to accept that. I don't want to live in a country where I have to be quiet about my political beliefs and just accept whatever tyrannical bullshit they roll out. Like, no. So maybe it's just, maybe it's hubris. Maybe it's overconfidence. Maybe it's just stubbornness. But my answer to tyranny in this moment is no. I'm not going to accept any more of it. So, um, you know, for those that feel that way, that don't want to leave the country to find, uh, you know, less tyrannical places to live. And God bless you if you have the resources to do that. I stand here and I stay here and I fight for the people that can't do that. And you say this as someone that definitely does have the resources to do that. You could probably take off. I mean, if you could retire in the U.S., you can definitely retire south of the border and in about a hundred other places too. A hundred percent. Yeah, I absolutely could. And But here's the truth. I'm I'm not in this for myself. Like as much as I am in, in it for myself, I'm I'm more in it for my friends, my family, the the principles of liberty on this planet. I mean, it is really precarious. Like we had global lockdowns. Think about that. Could you have ever fathomed such a thing when we were growing up? I certainly couldn't. So about ten so years ago, that was wacky Alex Jones stuff. <laughs> it was insane. I, I mean. Even if Alex said it, which I like Alex a lot, I would have been like, okay, you're wrong here. Definitely got that one mm-hmm. wrong. Um, oh, he did. He so was saying this it. stuff like 2007, 2008. And I was like, all right, this guy's probably going overboard here. And he well, was I, for 2007, but he wasn't for 2021. Right. Yeah. No, I remember I mean, the FEMA camps. And yeah. Yeah, I remember I remember his <laughs> uh, his warnings. And, and I, I still think that many of them are, are sincere and serious. But um, anyways, point being is that, you know, you see global lockdowns. That that to me implies there is no safe place. So safe space or whatever you want to call it. Like like God bless Cyprian in Saipan. For now, he is he is more free than we are. Um, I'm not hard sure. to deny that. Yeah, but but I'm not sure that if we don't take a stand at some point and just simply say no and mean it and just say we outnumber you. 
So what are you going to do? You're going to arrest us all? You're going to have us build the prisons to put us in? Like, I, I just hope that by having a Ron Paul 2.0 moment, we can have 20, 20 million people and we can go create the great state of Florida or the great country of Florida. You know, like that, that would be a much better future, in my opinion, than uh, just allowing this to persist. I guess that's what this comes down to, ultimately. If you really think it's just a matter of getting in front of enough people, like if, if it's just that enough people haven't heard of the ideas, then maybe all we have to do, and that makes perfect sense then, then maybe all we have to do is get someone like Dave Smith who does connect. I mean, I saw tons of people saying, uh, you know, I didn't understand libertarianism until I saw Dave on Joe Rogan, and now now I'm all in. But uh, I guess the question is, so where, do you, where does all this go? You know, even if you if Dave wins the nomination and generates excitement like where does it all go and and there uh, you know what matt and cyprian both seem to believe is that dave won't become president and i think we all pretty much know that <laughs> um yeah. but um you know that that it's going to leave a void there there's going to be a void there when that fails um i don't know how much i agree with that because i think most people supporting dave at least right now this might change if he gets more general population support i think most people at, that support him at this stage like like you yourself don't aren't supporting him to become president because no one thinks that's yeah. possible but yeah. but if he you know if his popularity really grows and grows and grows which i, I truly think it can because i think he has so much charisma um he's so well spoken on the issues he really does represent liberty in in really in the way i want it represented so i want him to, i want him to have the success i want him to do well i just don't know where it all goes like what does happen you know what happened with the Ron Paul movement? Well, you got a bunch of podcasts. <laughs> you got a whole bunch yeah. of podcasts out of it. So maybe we'll get even more podcasts or or something but, better. But, but you, know, I, you know, all those podcasts matter. I mean, as as silly as it sounds, I I speak to you know five to ten thousand people every time I hit record. Like yeah. that's that's important, and and I'm sure you guys do the same. Dave speaks to six figures every time he hits record. Like these are important things. And then he goes on Rogan and he speaks to you know ten million people, especially across the globe. I mean, th there is. Uh, an incredible capacity for reach that didn't exist during the Ron Paul era. Um, so as to the, as to the, you know, question of what happens to his supporters when he fails to become president, I don't think that matters. I mean, it, the, the argument that they're going to end up becoming some sort of like radicalized fringe movement. None of us from the 08 period did that, you know, even after our, I don't know about none of us that can't well, well fella kind of did, but for the most part, okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying it's a very yeah. small minority and mm -hmm. I, oftentimes those people are, are on that trajectory anyway. Sure. So like they're going to do what they're going to do. You but could see I'm it saying, in his writing like eight years before if you were, you know, you got yeah. the vibe. I, I got the, yeah. the reason I never invited that guy on my show, even when he was writing purely libertarian stuff, it's because I got that vibe. I got the icky yeah, vibe. You know. from him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. So, I don't want to touch so icky anyways, stuff. My, my point is I do not think. That I think the risk is far overstated, and I think that the the upside to him waking up another five or ten million new people, or just you know reigniting the flame. Like the truth is, there's still a huge amount of the people that were big time Ron Paul supporters that all abandoned the LP because it got woke and stupid, and now they're seeing a guy who's coming back with Ron Paul's almost exact outlook, but with a, a younger, more fiery approach to it i think that that in this era that matters a lot like dave will say un you know politically incorrect stuff he'll use profanity he will he will actually engage the youth and like if if you believe at all in in actually having an, a, an american nation that will be worth living in in our lifetimes it's vitally important we reach the youth in this country and dave can do that i mean even on the political stage he can do that because he is so young i mean he's going to appeal to a lot of people legion of skanks he's already got a built-in you know very young audience if you go on rogan you're going to talk to you know 10 million young americans in this country Th these are really big things so um i'm not willing to give up yet i think that's really the the end of the the message here is that like I, I think that is it dire? Yes. Um, but it's not hopeless. And I think that there's there is a worthwhile um Hail Mary, as Dave repeatedly describes it. Like, let's throw some, man. Let's see what we can do here. All right, guys. Before we wrap up here, I got to let you know about one of our great sponsors, our longtime sponsors at Lauren Zotti, Italy. If you are a fan of coffee, if you like a nice, fresh cup of joe to wake up in the morning, as I do, you're going to want to check out our friends at Lauren Zotti, Italy. They deliver fine, premium Italian coffees right to your door in these nice little tins that look so wonderful sitting on your counter there. And if 
that weren't all enough, these guys are great libertarians. They are Patreon supporters of this show. They are absolutely worthy of your support. If that all wasn't enough, these guys do more than just sell coffee. They also help other entrepreneurs set up their own coffee businesses, help them acquire equipment, acquire financing, everything they need to start their own coffee business, start their own coffee shops. So you definitely want to check them out for that reason, if that's something that's been on your mind. Either way, just fantastic people at Lorenzati Italy. Amazing people, fantastic people. You'll want to support them if you're fans of the show. Heck, even if you're not, if you're listening to this by accident, check them out anyway. They have great coffee. Lorenzotti Italy. You can find them at lorenzotti.coffee. That's L-O-R-E-N-Z-O-T-T-I dot coffee. And you do not want to forget your Lions of Liberty listener discount. Just use discount code ROAR for 10% off your order. Do you foresee a point or I'm just kind of curious how you see your own life potentially playing out here, like depending on what goes on politically here in the next couple of years, do you see a point where you might just say, all right, I was wrong. Like, uh, this is bad. I got to get out. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, if we end up in a hot civil war, I have no interest in fighting between MAGA and, you know, Blue Anon. Like, that sounds like an absolute nightmare because I don't want either of those people to rule over me. You know, I'm an ANCAP. I don't even want this political structure to, to you know, continue to persist. So, um, no, I'm not interested in fighting a war for, you know, for any of these sides that would likely be the dominant forces in these wars. Um so yeah, I, I would leave. I would leave the country if if it came to that. Um, and at that point, my family and friends might be more uh, interested in following me as opposed to nowadays, when they're still like even after being locked down in Southern California for a year, they still don't want to leave. So um, you know, things aren't that bad yet. I think that's the truth. Is that as long as people have food on the on the table, uh, they're not going to want to really uproot their life to go find better find greener pastures so uh but we're not there yet so let's let's hope we don't get there but yes i agree uh that we it's it's probable in our lifetimes i mean i I think that's such an important point because you and i see the lockdowns and we just see we see tyranny because it is tyrannical it's it's unquestionably tyrannical but that's not what our neighbors all necessarily see it's not what our families all necessarily see uh our families are when they're locked down most people in the u.s um uh, at least the, the vast majority of people i know here out in los angeles anyway for them a lockdown just meant watching netflix getting a paycheck from somewhere sometimes it was an employer sometimes the government sometimes a little of both watching tv hanging out doing your yoga like no one feels really that oppressed from it even when people start to get stopped to get started to get sick of the lockdowns all they did was just start going to other people's houses you know even the people that even friends of mine that were masking it up and not going anywhere for for two weeks after two or three months they're all hanging out with people they're all going going to kind of like you know house gatherings and that sort of thing so it never really felt like real oppression um it right. did to it us because we see tyranny. it right yeah and <laughs> yeah. but so that's that's what i wondered too i mean i, I don't know was this because i feel like this was just like this was not the tyranny this was like the test run this was like let's see how much we can push this thing here and it turns out we can push it pretty freaking far at least in certain areas um whereas yeah. other areas might resist more and that, that kind of ties into something I, th- I think you'd mentioned this on the same episode might have been another episode but that you you really think people in the united states should begin moving to more geographic areas where people are um you know more more inclined to our, our sort of beliefs if they're even if they're not pure libertarians because that they're, they're they're a little more harder to find but uh what are your thoughts and plans as as far as that particular strategy i know you're taking off in a couple of weeks but uh so yeah. are you are you just gonna kind of i think you got a van is that right or a, a camper i was gonna i was gonna do an rv um i decided after looking into costs and everything i was like no, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna drive and figure it out. I'll stay in Airbnbs and stuff. It was gonna nice. be like two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars to get the whole rig and everything I wanted to do. And I was like, well, if my show takes off, maybe I'll do that a year from now. But for now, uh, you know, if I'm gonna retire, I don't want to be spending that kind of money in an RV. Anyways, uh, so yes, uh, my belief is that it makes a ton of sense for us to be. Uh, galvanizing geographically. I think it's a huge mistake for people to stay behind enemy lines. And let's just be honest, states like California, states like New York are lost. Like you're not gonna win that back. And I, and by by loss, I don't mean, oh, you get a Republican in there and you know, that that could fix it and that's not gonna happen. And that's my, that's my complaint. No, I'm saying like budgetary level, tyranny level, like you're not gonna, you're not gonna vote in, uh, what's, what's her name? Uh, <laughs> oh, Caitlin, Caitlin, yeah, Jenner? yeah, and and have have everything get maybe uh, Jeff rectified. Hewitt, maybe our boy Jeff Hewitt, but well, know. yeah, and I, I've had Jeff on my show, yeah. and I think I think the world of him, but you know, this is kind of like the Dave Smith argument. What what are the odds that right. he actually wins? So we'll see. Um, but anyways, point being is that I think that you need to be around people, whether they're 
whatever whatever their belief system is, as long as they believe that they oppose tyranny and they are armed, you need to ha- you need to represent a, a defensive threat, and and that's all I'm that's all I'm looking for in my my personal life is I want to go be around people that that value liberty over security and and yet are armed as if they are very concerned about their security. That's what I'm looking for. So if I can find that community, um, again, I'm a peaceful person. I, I have no interest in fighting the government. Let me just make that crystal clear. <laughs> However, if I, if I want to live freely and, and oppose tyranny without having to fight, I need to, I need to represent a, a daunting task when it comes to taking out my community. So that's what I would like to see more people do. Yeah, this just comes back to the, the same idea. And I think this is something else that Matt brought up when you guys were talking is that is that the idea that most people don't want liberty. Like we're here selling this thing, this liberty thing. And, and for, for so long, I really thought, oh, no, it's just that we need to wake more people up. I mean, that's really all I ever thought because, you know, it, it happened to me. But when I think back, Vin said something that was pretty I don't I'm not even sure if this was in, in your podcast or on Twitter. It's all everything's kind of fading together to me now. Sure, sure. Uh, but he said something to the effect of like Ron Paul didn't wake him up. Uh, he actually just sold him something he already wanted. He was already living this life. He was already living a, a more free life. He just heard someone that sort of coalesced it together for him, and that kind of inspired him. For me, I had actually already been a libertarian before Ron Paul's campaign, uh, partially because of Ron Paul. I actually read his writing like 10 years earlier, as well as Harry Brown and, and some other influences. Um, but what Ron Paul's campaign did do was inspire me to speak out. And maybe that's where the real value is in Dave Smith's campaign or, or whatever we're doing out here in our podcast, because I, that's why I started this podcast. I wanted to inspire people to speak out uh, because yep. before it was just libertarianism or having the, whatever political thoughts I might have. It was just a hobby to me. I read books on my own. I read articles on my own and talk to anybody right. about this stuff. It was just something in my head, something I did. <laughs> uh, and then when I saw Ron Paul out there literally saying the things that have been on my mind for years, but saying them on national TV to the shock and appall and horror of like guys like Mitt Romney and John McCain, like, and, and just seeing him being mocked, literally mocked by the impartial uh, quote unquote air quotes for those not watching the video hosts of these debates. That's what inspired me seeing the bravery and boldness in the face of adversity in the face yeah. of being completely mocked. So I don't know if that can be recreated maybe, and maybe that's not what we're trying to do recreate it necessarily. Maybe we're trying, trying to create something entirely new. Um, I wish it success, but I like you want people to go into everything with their eyes open. And I, I kind of agree with part of the message. Like I, I'm back and forth on all this stuff. I'm working this stuff sure. out live, just like I know you were during, during the interview. But like, right. I think there is something to be said for if you're 25 years old and you, you know, you don't make a lot of money and you're not in a good financial position, there's something to be said that maybe you shouldn't spend 20 hours a week like working in a Mises caucus. Maybe you should actually be spending more of your time trying to build up your own skill set, trying to build your own wealth, trying to do the things that will get you in a, in a better position in your own life. Um, sure. And then again, maybe if you're like Clint and you're pretty much set, maybe you go balls to the wall and all that stuff. So I think it, it all comes down to an individual situation. But I, I do think it exactly. is something people should consider. Some people people, yeah. should, people should not dismiss this idea that you should get wealthier um, to to have more influence and more power, not to just you know coin the whole you know Jason Stapleton uh, show. But there is there is truth to that. There is absolute truth to that. And you right here are evidence of it. You have I the know. freedom. Exactly. Yeah, you have that freedom because uh, you put yourself in such a great position beforehand. Exactly. And and the reason I did that is largely because I was inspired by the Ron Paul revolution because I was like, I see tyranny coming. I understand Austrian economics so I can apply that to my my analysis of risk when it comes to investing in real estate, which is almost completely predicated on Federal Reserve policy. And, um, you know, it was just... I utilized all of this knowledge in a way that actually benefited my life. So like, I'm not, I am not at all dismissing the value of it. I think there's a huge mistake that people do not apply this knowledge. They, they read about it and they read about it and they read about it and they don't do anything about it. It's like, look, once you got these ideas, use them. They're powerful as hell. We understand monetary policy and the boom bust cycle better than 95 plus percent of all investors in the market. If you can't use that information to your advantage, you're fucking up. You're making a huge mistake. So like, yes, I agree. Matt's got a great idea there. And I think that that's really important. But let's be honest. Not everyone has business acumen. Not everyone is is driven by money either. You know, like I wish I wish more of us were, but not all of us are. And it's okay. Like that's okay if you're not. So if you if you're passionate and you want to volunteer your time to the Mises Caucus, I think that's a great use of your time too. If you don't want to pursue wealth accumulation and things like that, or if it's just not in your skill set, like 
this is what I keep going back to. Use what you're best at to help head us in the same, you know, similar direction. I think that at the end of the day, that creates a much better world for all of us. All right, Clint. Well, it's been awesome talking to you. Awesome finally uh, meeting you, Elisa, on on Zoom and hopefully in person one day here. But uh, it's been great getting to know you. Uh, Of course, I'll let you, uh, you know, give the wrap up here. All the ways people can find Liberty Lockdown. My listeners are pretty smart. I think they can figure it out. But uh, let them know where where they can find your show and how they can, uh, you know, tell them, send whatever message you want to send. To the kitty yeah, cats I'll, be, I'll be very quick uh at liberty lock pod on twitter liberty locked on on instagram spotify itunes youtube everywhere else um i really appreciate you guys having me on it uh it checks yet another box off of my intro music intro <laughs> outro music um you gotta be close now that, huh i i just have uh tom woods and michael malice and eric july those are the last three right. i need so if, if you're listening and they're all listening right now i know that so i need you guys come on <laughs> All right, Clint. Thanks so much, man. Keep up the great work. Keep on roaring. I know you will. Thanks, brother. All right, Liberty Kitty Cats. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Clint Russell of Liberty Lockdown. I certainly did. And I'm going to keep these conversations going for you each and every week here on the flagship Lions of Liberty podcast. But of course, it's not just me here. I've got Brian McWilliams slamming you upside the head with his special eccentric brand of comedy, culture, and liberty every Wednesday on Electric Liberty Land, while John Odie Odermatt wraps things up with his quest to help you find your freedom every single Thursday on Finding Freedom. You get all three shows for the price of one. That price is free, my friends. All you got to do is smack that subscribe button. Hear us roar three days a week. And if you can't get enough, head on over to the Patreon where we have even more content. You could have listened to this interview early. There's also a bonus segment I have with Clint where he takes questions from our patrons. So head over to patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty and check all of that out. Until next time, my friends. Live and live free.